I'm Josh. Good to be with you guys. Hey, we're going to do a little standalone message today talking about blessing, talking about this word shalom and this kind of concept. Uh, if you've never heard of shalom before, shalom uh, is more than just peace. So in Hebrew, often a Jewish person would greet another person and they would say shalom, but it was more than just peace. It was literally saying, I desire that the peace of God would touch every aspect of your life. It's this all-inclusive, holistic version of peace. And we're going to talk about it today. We're going to talk about what it means to shalom our country, or our county, uh, to bless our neighborhoods. And that's what we're going to be looking at. Um, and this concept is all throughout Scripture. Uh, if you go all the way to the very first book of the Bible, which we'll look at a text here in just a minute from the book of, of Genesis, uh, we see it from the first to the last. It is a huge concept in Scripture. My son one time looked at my big, thick ESV study Bible, and he was like, Dad, that's huge. How can we possibly understand everything in it? And I said, man, it is really, really big, but if I were to break it down into four things, I would say this. God broke, or God made it. He didn't break it. God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixed it. And now we get to join him in what's next. God made it. We broke it. Jesus fixed it. And now we get to join him in what's next. It's why our little tagline here at church is joining God in the renewal of all things. And we are in that era right now of getting to partner with God to bless our world. Now, again, it's all throughout scripture. If you look right in the book of Genesis chapter 12, verses one through three, God kind of lays out his plan for his people. And so he says this to Abraham, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I've preached from that passage a lot over my life because I love it. Here, he isn't just saying, Abraham, I'm going to bless you and life is going to be awesome for you and your family. He says that I'm literally going to bless you so that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And that's still God's mission. And he still invites us to that today. If you flip over to the New Testament, Jesus starts to flesh this out. He starts to show us how we can better do it. And so if you look in his early ministry in Luke chapter four, you see Jesus talking about this idea of what he came for, and which was to bless people. Jesus came to make this concept a reality, to restore the human race by providing access to the possibility of, of listen, heaven on earth. That's a massive concept of perfect shalom, and he proclaimed and he demonstrated what the breaking in of heaven, of the kingdom of God, can look like, and it was at the very start of his ministry. Look at Luke chapter four, verses 16 through 20. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then he rolled up the scroll and he handed it back to the attendant and he sat down and all the eyes of the synagogue looked at him intently. 
You see, Jesus right here, he, he, he refers to this holistic blessing, this concept of shalom, which includes sight to the blind and captives set free and debts being paid. And, 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 you know, his life would go on to proclaim friends for the lonely and food for the hungry and meaningful employment for the discouraged and self-doubting and rest for the weary and on and on and on and on and on. A lot of times when we think about Jesus and the good news, we just think about telling somebody what to do so they can get to heaven. But Jesus brought such a larger message than that. It was this all-inclusive, holistic, shalom concept that Jesus was talking about. And he proclaimed it and he demonstrated it for us. So here's a couple of questions today. First, what does blessing, what does good news, what does shalom look like for your neighborhood? for your school, for your workplace, et cetera. And my hope and prayer for the church is that our gatherings and our shared experiences as a church would overflow into the places where we eat, work, learn, and play. I think then we'll be living out the gospel. So two questions for us today are, number one, are we a blessing to those around us? And then number two, here in a little bit, we're gonna look at do we have God's heart formed in us for the communities that we're in? So I wanna just pray one more time and, and kind of ask the Lord to be our teacher. Lord, these are really, really big concepts that we're gonna be talking about. Um, I think oftentimes as Christians, we really miss the idea that we exist to glorify you and to bless others. And we get caught up in all the other stuff along the way. And I just pray today you would form your heart in us. Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher? We need you. Amen. So first, are we a blessing to those around us? Are we, are we good news in our communities and in this region? Uh, you know, we talk about good news again, and a lot of times when somebody says, oh, um, yeah, I'm going to go share the gospel with that person. They're referring to kind of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, to telling somebody they should turn from their sins and turn to the cross and, look, and, and, and those kinds of things. And, and all that's true, but the good news is so much more than that. The gospel means good news. And, you know, if you think about what good news looks like in your community, it might be different than what good news looks like in a community of people that are different than you. I live in like this middle-class, white, suburban neighborhood, but man, there are a lot of like marriages that are just like in shambles in my neighborhood. And so good news in my neighborhood looks like addressing like healthy relationships and parenting and these kinds of things. Parents are, are, are worried about their kids. Or if I were to go to other neighborhoods, they might be struggling with a whole different set of problems. I would just ask you today, do you know what the problems are in your neighborhood? in your workplace, in your school. Because I wonder if good news might be one, that God might be wanting you to proclaim good news, but we first have to identify what good news is. I think God is calling us to good news our neighborhood. We ought to be about good newsing people. Um, I, I heard about this, uh, two sets of missionaries to Thailand. I got a, a guy that does work in Thailand and he observed while he was there, uh, two sets of missionaries that went for uh, two, three years. Um, one set very much proclaimed what they thought was the gospel. They went around and they did evangelism. And so thus they told people they should turn from their sins and turn to Jesus. And that was cool. Um, the other set of people only went with the agenda to bless in every way, the people that they hung out with. 
And so in every way, in terms of their physical needs, their emotional needs, their spiritual needs, in every way they look to bless people. And at the end of the year, this guy said he observed the two different groups of missionaries and the first had like nobody that came to Jesus. Uh, They kind of, in fact, turned a lot of people off. The second were having dozens of people come into their community and be a part of this whole thing because they just look to bless people. I mean, I think the real essence of biblical blessing is that it has no strings attached. And so blessing people shows them that they matter, that they, that they belong, rather than like taking this stance of being better than, as if we have somehow arrived at moral superiority. I think we know that's not the case. Um, I've told this story before, but a few years ago, uh, back when we didn't have this thing called COVID, they used to do festivals. And in Knoxville, they had have one called the Rossini Festival. And I took my kids to the Rossini Festival. It's a pretty cool Italian festival. You know, we went and got some good food and all that kind of stuff. And we were walking around having a good time. Um, and there was a big tent set up right off of Gay Street in downtown Knoxville. And it was the casual pint set it up. And so it was kind of the beer tent. So lots of people were hanging out there and, you know, sitting down on a Saturday. It was a beautiful day outside, just enjoying community and fellowship. And there was this this lady that set up shop with a speaker and this microphone like right across the street and she was just railing at him. I mean, going off. I thought to myself, man, if anybody needs a beer, it's that lady because she was just going nuts. And, uh, and my daughter was like, hey dad, like why is she yelling? And I said, ah, she just got issues, sweetie. And then my, you know what she said? She said, but she's saying Jesus a lot. I mean, come on, like you, you tell me. If Jesus was on Gay Street that day, would he more likely have a mic in his hand across the street or be in the tent? And I'm not trying to justify anything other than what is blessing? What is good news? I think Christians so often have demonstrated this anti-culture thing. We've got to be anti, uh, you know, sin, anti all the evil in the world. And instead of more about blessing people, We've somehow missed the point. And I'll just tell you guys, I don't know if you know this, the culture's turned off by it. But they're done. Um, did you know belonging enables believing? Belonging enables believing. And blessing people, good newsing people, shows them that they're loved and, they're, and that they belong. Um, you know, we have these expectations of what the people around us should be like, but did you know that expectations are the enemy of loving? There's such hypocrisy in us trying to quote unquote fix people around us, and that's not our job. Now, let me give you an example. I'm, I'm, I'm coming down hard on this lady at the Rossini Festival, but I mean, I'm guilty of this too. I, you know, you, did you guys know people don't drive anymore? They just text, right? I don't know if you've been driving these days, but like everybody's just on their phone all the time and it drives me crazy. And the other day I was driving down the road and sure enough, there's this little probably 16 year old girl. She's on her phone and she's driving crazy. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So the dad comes out at me and I, there's a red light up ahead. I'm gonna pull up next to this girl. And I was looking around in my car for something to throw at her windshield and be like, stop it. I did. I found a water bottle and I pulled up next to her. And just as I was about to throw the water bottle at her windshield, my phone went off. I got a text and I was like, oh, I got to get that. And so I was doing my thing. Um, There's such hypocrisy in us trying to like rail against the culture around us. Get the the plank out of our own eye, right? And so 
Um, practically speaking, there are some ways that we can begin to pray blessing over people in our communities with the goal of actually good newsing people instead of just judging and all these kinds of things that the church has often been guilty of. I want to challenge you today, and I just right toward the middle of this message, I already want to like give you something practical that I've been applying in my own life. I'm learning to pray this way, um, but there's something called the bless rhythms, or some people call them the bless five. It's just a tool that somebody told me about not long ago, um, and I think we're going to put these on the screen. Do we have those? Yeah. So, and it, well, we're in church, so we have to give at least one acronym, right? But BLESS, it stands for five things. But before I tell you what they are, um, I would love and, and challenge you, and we're going to go back to this at the end of the message, to identify at least five people that you can pray this prayer over this week. And it's a prayer of blessing. It's a holistic prayer that we can pray over people in our neighborhood or our workplace or your family or whoever it is that you might be called to um, to pray over. And so the blessed rhythm stands simply for this, body, labor, emotional, social, and spiritual. So like in my neighborhood right now, I've identified five people that almost every day I take time to pray for their physical well-being, their body. For, you know, if, they, if I know they have sickness, I had a buddy that got really sick that lived five houses up from me the other day. I just, man, I, I got on my knees for that guy and just said, man, Lord, will you heal him? Would you like, bring him to complete restoration, to their physical needs? And then for labor, their work, what they do for a living, even if they stay at home uh, or stay at home parent, whatever it is they do, blessing their, uh, their physical activity that they do, their, their labor, emotional, uh, that's obvious, right? Just praying over people's, um, where they're at. Maybe somebody's got an anxiety issue or, or whatever the case may be, you know, praying over those. Social, praying for their relationships. God, I pray that every relationship they have will be brought into perfect shalom. And, and praying for their spiritual needs. Praying, God, I pray that salvation would come on that house. I pray that those kids would, that, that, that they would parent their kids to know you deeply, um, so it's just a, a helpful tool. Take it if you'd like it. Uh, and we'll talk more about that at the very end of the message. But listen, all this is, is great, right? And we could talk about blessing people and about the value of it all day long. But if our hearts aren't right, it's just another human effort. It's just another human effort, which leads to the second question I said we want to address today, which is this. Do we have God's heart formed in us for the communities that we're in? So we're going to ask, what is God's heart for the broken and the wanderers and the lost and the forgotten? And I want to look at one more passage of scripture to highlight that. And it's one of the most famous passages of scripture. Uh, even non-church people have probably heard a version of the prodigal son. It's also known as uh, the, the, the parable of two sons. Um, we're only going to look at the first son today. And, and the quick backstory, if you don't know the story, is uh, Jesus said, hey, there were two sons and the, the youngest son went to his dad and basically slapped him in the face by saying, I want my inheritance now, which is to say, basically, dad, I want to go ahead and consider you dead so I can get your money. And he went out and he lived this crazy life and he even started like eating pig food and all kinds of stuff like that. But then we're going to see the heart of the father in this passage right in the middle of this story. It says this in verse, starting in verse 20. So he, that's the young son, returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son embraced him and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. 
we must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and is now returned alive. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. You know, there have been times in my life where I identify with this youngest son, you know, little hellion running around being an idiot. There's been times in my life where I've identified with the oldest son, which we didn't look at, but if you read on in the story, you find out that he was judgmental and he was angry and he thought he deserved all the stuff the younger son got. And I've been that guy too, right? <laughs> Thinking I'm better than everybody. But over the last season of my life, I'm starting to hear the Holy Spirit as he challenges me to be like the father. I mean, I've been the younger son and, and at times I still am and I've been the older son and at times I still am, but what if we had the heart of the father in this story? I mean, what's God's heart toward this kid who basically wanted him dead at one point, right? He lavishes his love on him. It's inconceivable, this kind of love. And before we go any farther, I just want to ask this simple question. Is that our heart for the people around us? I mean, it's one thing to love your kid like that, but God, I think, calls us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. I just wonder what would happen if this church was full of people whose hearts legitimately broke for their neighbors, their coworkers, their fellow learners in school. I mean, I see, see, I see some kids in here. I mean, what if you guys like loved the kids in your class the way the father loves his son here? First of all, people probably think you're crazy. But I think something catalytic would happen. I think something in our neighborhoods and in this town would happen. What could God do with an army of people like that? Two quotes. The first is by a guy named Reggie McNeil. It says this, the role of the church is simply this, to bless the world. In doing this, the people of God reveal God's heart for the world. Second quote, Christopher Wright. I'm gonna read this one a couple times. It's kind of a tongue twister. It's a good one. Christopher Wright says, it's not that God has a mission for his church in the world, but that God has a church for his mission in the world. This is why we exist as a church. I'm gonna read that again. It's not that God has a mission for his church in the world, but rather that God has a church for his mission in the world. We saw in Genesis, we bring it all the way up to Jesus, and now we're joining God in the renewal of all things. In order to identify with his mission that he's called us to, we exist for that mission, which is joining him in the renewal of all things. And therefore, everything we're talking about, guys, blessing, bringing shalom, good newsing, is because God has a mission, God is on mission, and God chooses us to use us to carry it out. Church, I would just say that we exist for his mission, and therefore we must have his heart for those around us. I heard a story in the late 1800s, this guy named Max Mueller described this guy, he was a British, Max Mueller was a British guy. He described this guy that came over from India and he happened to run into him. This guy in India in the late 1800s had uh, been told about Jesus from some missionaries and he had primarily been discipled by them using the Sermon on the Mount, which is Matthew five through seven. It's kind of like Jesus's textbook for bringing Eden back, right? Uh, if you look at Matthew five through seven, it's this incredible three chapters. And so so this Indian guy heard that Great Britain was a, was a Christian country and he was like pumped about it. He was like, oh man, I'm gonna go there and I get to see Matthew five through seven, like the, what, what that'll look like. And he was 
rudely disappointed. I just wonder if people came to Maryville today, what they would think. I mean, I'm, you know, we're, we're able to help partner with people in West Africa, and we're seeing tons of Muslims and animists and these different folks come to Jesus, and it's incredible. I mean, it's incredible how their lives are changing, and I wonder, and I've had a couple of them say, I'd love to join you uh, and come to your church uh, and, you know, see your town and all this one day. That would be amazing because, you know, you guys, there's lots of Christians there, and I thought, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what they think about Maryville, Tennessee. I don't know what they think about Knoxville. Um, if, I just want a couple more things. We're almost done. But if a, if, I want to ask, if a so-called church is in town, but listen, but crime rates and domestic violence and racial injustice and addiction rates and the like don't change, then we got to ask ourselves, what kind of good news has landed in that town? Just get saved so you can go to heaven when you die? Avoid hell? Is that good news? Isn't it more than that? You know, this church, guys, doesn't exist to observe how many programs we have or how great the leaders are or what the Sunday attendance is, et cetera, et cetera. I would just say that you can tell a church that gets this stuff by how much, uh, how much they grumble, you know, about like church music and about how good the kids' programs are, about the preaching, is the preaching any good? You know, a church filled with people that grumble about how well the church is meeting their needs and desires and, and tastes, that church has lost its mission. It's lost God's mission. And may that not be said of us. You guys ever heard of the French term amuse bouche? You know what it means? It means an amusement for the mouth. Uh, if you've ever been to a fancy French restaurant, maybe you've heard the term before because amuse bouche in French restaurants is the chef will prepare this little bitty dish. It's like a bite worth and it's incredible. It does two things. It cleanses the palate and it gets you really, really pumped about what's to come. Okay, it's an amusement for the mouth and it gets you excited. You, and and they, they, a lot of times they'll tell you, oh, uh, this is on the house. This is courtesy of the chef. And it makes you think, oh man, if, <laughs> if this is free, like the stuff I pay for is gonna be unbelievable. It's amuse bouche. Um, the people of the church, I would just say, should be like that in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, in their schools. Don't you guys think that maybe we should be like a taste of greater things to come? We got to offer the alternative values of God's kingdom with no strings attached. Values like generosity and empathy and selflessness and peacemaking and forgiveness. And when we bless people around us in those countercultural ways, we're going to stand out in a culture where materialism and self centeredness and jealousy and fear and cla class and political divisions and hopelessness and apathy, when those kinds of things abound, we're going to stand out. A musée bouche, a taste of things to come. This is what happens when the people of God get serious about blessing their neighborhoods and their workplaces and their schools. In other words, what if we blessed this town in word and deed more than whine about everything that's wrong and bad and sinful? What if we had the Father's heart? They're just questions. I'd like to just finish, um, and feel free to humor me or not, but uh, to... Close our eyes and imagine a couple of things, if that's okay. I'm going to ask David to come on up. He's going to just kind of strum on his guitar for a minute. And, and here's some things. And I know maybe, maybe some of this came off as, as harsh or, or overly critical of the church. I, I, it's not an attack on the church. Please don't hear that. It's, it's a call 
to something more. It's a call to something more. I think God is calling us to a more beautiful picture of gospel, of blessing, of shalom. So as you close your eyes, I just want you to imagine right now, either your, your neighborhood or your workplace or your school experiencing good news. What would that look like in the place or places that you eat, work, learn, and play? What would good news look like there? Just going to be comfortable in some quiet for a couple minutes here. Just imagine that. Let your mind go. Let the Lord guide your imagination for a minute. What does good news look like in those places? Just as you continue just to imagine and, and, and close your eyes, the, um, I heard recently about this Native American idea of relaxing your face and focusing in a way to see what's right in front of you. They called, called it having soft eyes. As so we're imagining things for a couple of minutes, can we just have, like, relax and ask the Holy Spirit, help us to see things the way he wants us to see them. What does good news look like? How might God want to use you and as you're thinking about those things, I want to ask you just to think about one more thing. I said we're going to come back to that bless five concept. Um, are there two, three, four, five even people that come to your mind right now that God might want you to start praying shalom over, blessing over? And praying over them with the expectation that you're not just going to pray but that you're going to get your hands a little dirty in their lives. Who's God calling you to bless? I don't know how many people are in here. 70, maybe. They'll be about that in the next, and then maybe not quite that many in the third outdoor service we have today. I just wonder if, if a fraction of us got really, really, really serious. And, and by the way, a lot of you I know are. This is like your heart. This is the way you live your life. Can you imagine if, a God, if, if God raised up an army out of this church to just saturate our town with the blessing and the good news of Jesus? What would happen? I think Vineyard Church, God wants to use us like that. Lord Jesus, as we have paused in this time of Selah and we consider these things, we're mindful that we don't always live like this that at times we get so caught up in life that we forget that we have been blessed to be a blessing. God, I just pray that you would form your heart in us in such a way that this town would have its mind blown and wonder what just landed in our town. I pray that you would raise up an army of people that would take the beauty of what happens in these shared spaces and that we would spread it to every neighborhood, workplace, school, etc., that we're a part of today. I pray for the restaurants that we go to today. I pray that blessing would land in those restaurants. Every place that we go. 
Lord Jesus, would you use us? Let your kingdom come in this town and your will be done.